Faith is an ingenious grace, as it hath one eye at the reward, so it hath another eye at duty. The time of life is the only time we have to work for God. Heaven is a place of receiving, this of doing. Puritan Thomas Watson Welcome to Things I Preach to Myself About podcast. I am your host, Rich Vangen, and today I'd like to take a look at who are we serving? Serving God or serving man? When you look at the Bible, there's some really deep and intensive words that are found within the covers. There's no doubt about it. I mean, even pagan religions have this level of reverence when it comes to the Christian Bible. It's filled with historical truths and poetic visualizations, proverbial guidances and revelations of the very nature of God himself and his plans. So to read the pages is to get introduced to the God of the universe, to understand his will and his ways. And we're literally holding a road map for our life in our hands. Yet as powerful and impacting as the words in the Bible really are, it's really amazing how people still live like the scriptures have no significant influence in their life. I mean, I'm talking about people who claim to be followers of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They they still live and walk daily under the control of the worldly ways instead of God's ways. It's obvious we reside in this world. And as such, we have to contend with it every day, no matter how holy and pious we strive to be. It is certainly a daily battle. I mean, the pull of being conformed to the pattern of the world is really strong, and it causes a lot of people to give up on God's ways. You can really tell a lot about what has the strongest inclinations or sway in someone's life by how that person lives. In the vernacular of the Bible, you can see a man's true heart by the type of fruit they exhibit resulting from their walk. So when you take into consideration that we are all going to stand before the judgment of God at the end, which will determine which way we're going to spend eternity, you would think that a decision to follow God's ways would be an easy choice. I mean, the Bible clearly says, here is what the end result is. So you'd think, huh, I just got to get through this and I have heaven. For some folks, that's an easy decision. Yet there are many others who don't want to give up the creature comforts of the secular life, as they say. They may find that walking in the way of God is not easy or perhaps it's too burdensome. And we need to understand that there is another side of things working in our lives that has a huge influence on our daily walk, and that is sin or sin nature. Sin's influence and the subsequent results of it goes against God's very ways. But for some, it is the easy and slippery path that takes little effort. And the lure of sin, like I said, is very strong. There are many who have fallen away simply by its trappings. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. I mentioned that scripture because while I was reading through some of the Old Testament scripture a while back, I came across that interesting verse that 
really caused me to stop reading and think. And the part in there that caught my attention were the words, they did not know the Lord. So as I was reading before and after, getting a full context of the the statement, what it does is it shows a sad and harsh reality that can apply to many within the very walls of today's church, just as it did back then. So let me explain. So there was a man, Eli. He was the priest at the temple of Shiloh. In fact, he was the priest that administered the blessing over Hannah, who is the mom of the son named Samuel. And Samuel would subsequently replace Eli and be appointed by God to become one of the judges over Israel. But so Eli is this priest, and he had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And both of them were basically raised in the church, as they say. They were raised in the service of God. But for the scriptures to describe them as sons of Belial, and that that word means worthless, and later on it's actually used in the New Testament to describe Satan himself. But to use that term, sons of Belial, really shows the true nature of those boys. Now before I delve in further, you really need to figure out and learn why did they earn such an evil moniker from the writer of 1 Samuel. So we just need to understand what they were doing. First of all, as workers in the temple or the sanctuary, their job was to gather the sacrifices that were prescribed by the law and follow the exact customs. This was really important back in the day. The problem was is that they were selfish, greedy, and very much living in the flesh for themselves. So instead of sacrificing the best cuts of meat, which they were supposed to, they would take the best cuts of meat of the sacrifices for themselves. But let me tell you, it gets worse. Adding to that debauchery, these married men would commit adultery with various women who served at the sanctuary gates. And folks, we all know how the whole clergy adultery thing can turn out, even in our modern day and age. Now, of course, these activities garnered the anger of God. Eli was admonished to scold his sons for their behavior, but he did it so lightly that the boys didn't even listen to him. So, subsequently, both of the sons would end up dying on the same day, and it was the day that the Philistines had defeated Israel in a battle, and they ended up capturing the Ark of the Covenant. Meanwhile, their father, he hears about his two sons being killed, and he hears about the ark being captured by the Philistines, he fell over and died of a broken neck. Now, to make matters worse, shortly after all of this, one of the sons, Phineas, his wife gave birth to a son when she had heard of her husband and father-in-law's deaths. And it just, she was so distraught, she ended up naming the child Ichabod which means the glory has departed. Adding to the woes that day, she ended up dying. See, all this came about because God had cursed the lineage of Eli and his sons for their behaviors. So what is this showing? This serves to show that even people who stand in the most reverential of duties, who interact in the most religious of environments, and who go through all the motions of walking with God outwardly, could still be unknown to God. I mean, does the words, depart from me, I never knew you, ring a bell? Folks, 
In reality, this is a very scary prospect to think about. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, to beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. And Psalm 139 says that the Lord has searched us and knows us. In fact, verse 4 says, Even before a word on my tongue, O Lord, behold, you know it altogether. These are truths that really should have us reflecting, not only on our outward life, but on our hearts as well. You see, folks, you can be the most pious, religious, reverential person on the entire planet before the people all around you and still not truly know God. I mean, there's, there's countless religious leaders that go through the motions and yet don't have a clue who God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit of the Bible really are. Those two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they went through the motions daily with their father, who was the temple priest. Yet it's obvious by their actions, their fruit, that they didn't know God. So just because you say and do the right things or have a great knowledge about the Bible doesn't make you right before the Lord. So why is this? How can someone be exposed to the truth every day and still not know it? Let me point out that there's two motivations people face when entering into any type of ministry. God and self. The Apostle Paul, for, we'll use him as an example, he was really, you know, he was very devout toward God. He was committed to glorifying God. And in fact, uh, when he declared in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Paul did everything for God through Christ Jesus, and his love for God's people was genuine. It was beyond a heartfelt passion. He did nothing in selfishness that can be shown in any parts of the Bible. But there are many examples of people in a ministry platform that are motivated by self. Now, I can go on and list a whole plethora of people today that we can see obvious that they're in it for themselves. A lot of the the fancy preachers, teachers with all the fancy cars and airplanes and all the this and that, those are obvious. But let's look into the Bible and we'll see like a prime example in Acts chapter 8. In Samaria, there was a magician named Simon who many claim that this man is the power of God that is called great. When the gospel of Christ was preached in that area, many people became converts and were baptized, including Simon. He became zealous. He was working with the evangelist in the area and he saw the miracles performed. So when Peter and John, the apostles of Christ, came to the area, they had laid hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. Simon saw this and what did he do? He offered to pay them money. He says, for this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. You see, he wanted to keep his great reputation before the people. But he was quickly admonished by Peter and said, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. And that's Acts chapter 8. 
So Peter demanded he repent from his wickedness and intentions as he was in the bond of iniquity. Another biblical example that I'm not going to go into too much depth right now, but they're the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Those folks enjoyed the praises of the people. They walked in the highest honors in the cities and enjoyed their power. They are used by Jesus as examples of holy and pious men, but with hearts that were far from God. Jesus, in fact, called them whitewashed tombs filled with dead man's bones. Sepulchers that look really nice on the outside, but their insides were vile and filth. You see, their motivations were known to God. Greed and selfishness puffed up their pride. And again, there's so many different examples. But the question we need to ask ourselves is, is our day-to-day life, are we like the Hophni and Phinehas? And the thing is, folks, you don't need to be in a ministry to have that false heart thing going. It could be your day-to-day life. You could be the person that has to puff yourself up and pray out loud in public and show off that your biblical knowledge through the social media or whatever the case may be. You can do all those things. But is your Christian walk in appearance only? Is your motivation with or without Christ? Are you doing this to glorify God or glorify yourself? There's a lot of people, they're really good at talking a big game, you know, about being good with God. But folks, you might deceive your family, you might deceive your friends with the illusion of Christianity by, say, going to church. You might be able to talk all the Christian jargon online and post scripture verses to strangers. In fact, you might even have all those Bible stories memorized. But if your heart's motivation in all these things is for yourself, then you're not true. If you go through the motions to impress or puff up yourself, then not only are you lying to yourself, but worse, you are lying to God. And again, like I mentioned before, God knows your heart. You see, he knew Hophni, he knew Phinehas, he knew that whole family. He knew the Pharisees, the Sadducees, he knew Simon the Magician, he knows all things And the heart of man is especially known. Eventually, like the two sons of Eli, things will catch up and the truth becomes revealed. As mentioned above, we are all going to stand before the throne of God to give an account. Now is the perfect time to check your heart, check your motivation, and truly know you're standing with the living God. Saying words that you believe in Jesus are just that, words. They should be glorifying God. They should be focused on God from your heart to worship and serve the Creator rather than the created.